Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, we're continuing with part two of The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World. If you did not listen to part one, I highly recommend that you do before you listen to this. And if you haven't watched the show, I highly recommend that you watch the show as well, because it's really, really bizarre and fun and awful and magnificent. And uh, I hope our affection for it comes through in our brutal dissection and criticism of the show. Now, just to pick up where we left off, remember, my co-host this particular week on TV Talkaholics is Mr. X. This is a person who has worked for the Walt Disney Company for many, many years and loves the company and uh, had asked that his identity remain anonymous so that he could discuss it freely. And just to catch you up on the plot of the special, the Mouseketeers are at Walt Disney World, and they've had a terrible, terrible fight, and they've all been fighting, and we are now in the middle of the process of them slowly making up to one another and becoming friends again. That's really all you need to know. There's not much else here. And again, listen to part one. What are you doing here? If you haven't heard part one, just just go back, listen to it for crying out loud. So let's get to it, why don't we, huh? Let's face the facts with The Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, Part 2, from 1977, featuring Lisa Welchel and Julie Pikarski. The Tomorrowland Speedway. At the time, the Grand Prix um, Speedway. Oh, is that what it was called? It was called the Grand Prix Raceway. Oh, okay. Um, most recently, it's it's closed now, right? It was closed and being refurbished. No. Why did I? Why was? It, I think a. I think they made the track smaller again because of Tron. It might have been closed because of Tron. Okay. Being built there, but okay. No, I thought that I, it, I, I wrote down it is the most popular, boring ride in the park. And I mean Tomorrowland. When you want to go to a place of the future. Yeah, you you get to experience that magical thing that's coming down the pike someday, cars. Yeah, that only go four miles per hour, <laughs> and a kid is driving it. They uh, they can't drive it, and yeah, they're not it's driving on a track. it. Yeah, it's on a I track. Don't There's no crashing. Why those? And I get what because what it used to be then was they would line up four of you. And you would be like, one, two, three. It was and a race, then, yeah. Yeah, the four of you were racing. But now it's just for, for momentum, for efficiency sake, yeah. it's like, you, here, you, here. You, here, go. You, here, go. You, here, go. And it's like, ugh. It's yeah. so, so I especially loved when they were done riding it that they all just stand around in the racetrack in the track, yeah. About 20 minutes. Yeah, it's no other people waiting to get on the ride or anything. Yeah. It's always got an hour-long wait, for God's sake. Yeah. What what ticket was that? A B or a C ticket? Um, That might have been an E ticket, too. Honestly. Really? Back in 77. Holy yeah. shit. 
That surprises yeah. me. It's to me, it's an odd anomaly because, like I said, it's like the Tomorrowland. It's race cars. How is that Tomorrowland? If it was, if it was, um, you know, if the facade of the vehicles was to look like floating spaceships, like on the Jetsons or something, uh, maybe or maybe. I can't believe they never rethemed it to cars. Once Lightning McQueen and Mater hit, why didn't they do that? Because that's technically the future. After our dystopian destruction of the human race, the machines are going to come alive, and that's where uh, Lightning McQueen and company fall. I into. think because at the time it was sponsored by Goodyear, and um, it was the, at that time it was the Tomorrowland Indy Speedway. So I think that there was a, a, a sponsorship through Goodyear and um, the Indiana 500. Yeah. It takes up a lot of real estate in Tomorrowland. It's, it's gotten smaller over the years. Oh, okay. That's it, 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 back then it was huge, but they it made it smaller to build um, Space Mountain. Mm -hmm. Then they made it smaller to build um, 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 Mickey's Birthday Land in 88. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they moved, since they moved... Um, um, the circus world there, they've got the Dumbo, the flying elephant is there now. Yes. Two of okay. them. So it's smaller because of that too. Uh -huh. So it's gotten smaller over the years. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, the purpose of this scene is that the boys are racing with Mr. Brown and uh, he, what we basically learn, Mrs. Uh, uh, Joanne Worley magically appears there. She gets around fast <laughs> at the end of it. She's like, you let them win. Didn't you? And it's like, yeah, they were so excited that they won and beat him. They're all cheering and happy. And just like Lisa and Allison, they are now friends. Healing continues. Yes. And yeah. Then from there, we go outside the pool at the Contemporary again. And this is where the young girl, the African-American girl, her name is Shantae, is sitting out by the pool. And uh, someone walks up with a phone, don't they? I I think she's already just on it. That's like she's right. on a she's on a, like a corded landline phone. That, sitting sure, outside. That of the happens. Main. That happens at the Walt Disney World Resort all the time. Yeah. A and corded phone is brought to you at the pool. I'm not saying this right now because of her, because I could say it much later as well, or much earlier. I'm just gonna say it now. I would like to know how awful the actors were that didn't get hired. <laughs> yes. No, you're not saying that as a reflection of this girl, Shantae. No. This is a reflection of all of them. Ex with the exception of Lisa Welchel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway. True. So it, it, it's like she didn't know where to look. Bless her heart. Anyway, not her, not her specifically. Not her specifically. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, she's on the phone. And, and she's, she's on the phone with little, little one Mindy, the little girl in a towel who was inappropriately in a room all alone with an adult male mm -hmm. earlier. Um, so she is on the phone in bed in her room claiming to be sick. Yeah. And then Kelly, clumsy girl with tennis racket, is practicing tennis and they try to make a funny bit out of the tennis ball machine feeding or the balls too quickly. Gaty. <laughs> I love you so goddamn much. 
He does end up getting hit in the face a little bit with some balls. Yeah, that does happen. Yes. And then uh, Julie also, Julie Pikarski, Facts of Life Julie. Um, All of them come into the room. The idea is that little Mindy's illness brings them together and they start to fight. What are you doing here? Well, she's my friend too. Wow. Aren't we being stupid? Yeah. Yeah. Let's all do it. Now, I do have to point out, talking about acting, talking about (laughs) when the girls are in the room, when Shantae comes into the room, the door is open, okay? She knocks and walks in and looking her in the eye, little Mindy says, come in. (laughs) Now, granted, Mindy is, from what I've gathered so far, the comic relief. Is she? Because she's she gets in there, I'm sick. Yeah, cookies would be great. Yeah, ice cream would be great. Like, mm. I feel like she's the one that is meant to have been. Well, the, I, like I the, guess... She was the, um, who's that? The, she was the Olsen twins of this oh, show. Oh, as know the what baby. I mean? I'll give you that. Okay, like, yeah. The, that... the punchlines went to her. Yeah, I'll like, give you that. Yeah, none of the punchlines were any good, mm-mm. so she couldn't do anything with them, but yeah. But anyhow, they're like, you know what? We should get back with the other kids. We've been acting like fools. And Kelly's like, yep, let's go. And they're like, what? You were faking. And in my notes, in all caps, who is looking after these kids? This is where I came up with the storyline that we should have get, they should have used where there was a male and female chaperone. The male has an interest in the female chaperone and Joanne Worley is ruining it by showing up and everything. Like she's just a wacky reporter that keeps every time they get close to kissing, Joanne Worley shows up in between them. Have her be in in the Skyway bucket when they don't even know she's there to ever just pop up between them. So how long have the kids been rehearsing for the big concert? Right. They're having a romantic ride or sit on the park and Joanne Worley comes running through the Rose Garden. I don't know, but it's just... (laughs) I I I agree. I wondered who was watching these kids as well. Yikes, yeah. Um, So then we go to posing for a picture in the stocks. That's the wooden things you put your head and your hands through, which are just outside, I believe, Frontierland? They're in between Frontierland and Liberty Square. That's right. So to the left is where you go to uh, Picos Bill to get a bite to eat. To the right is Haunted Mansion and the Harbor House. Great fish and chips. Well, they decide that they're all friends now, but the two boys are out out in the world and they have no idea that we've all made up. So they're still out there angry with each other. Let's fix it. Let's split up. And yet they all go the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cumbersome enough to have 12 kids. Right. To have to lug that many fucking kids around in a theme park, let alone try to figure out how to give them all something to do in a one-hour TV special. Yeah. But the fact that they got 10 of them together all in one place and getting along, and I, they, they keep saying, where are Pop and Todd? Pop and Todd. The one named Billy, his nickname is Pop, P-O-P. Yeah. I don't know why. So it's Pop and Todd who are missing. And so let's split up and look for them. And where are they? Well, we cut to um, 
pop excusing himself through a queue area for no reason but to get to the front of the line. Yeah, that would not wash in modern times. Like he's literally walking past <laughs> me going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, until he gets up to this friend that he's angry with and goes, oh, you. Well, you're the one that just cut in the line to get to me. Exactly. So <laughs> bizarre. It's like if, if, they had, if he was cutting the line to get to him and say, hey, you know, right. uh, okay, maybe I might still be mad, but you want to ride in the same car? Yes. And, and at no point do they say, like you said before, at no point do they say, we are riding Space Mountain. Nowhere nope. does it ever say that explicitly. And Space Mountain, like River Country, <laughs> was the new ride. Yeah, it had just opened the year in before. 75. Two years so before. Okay. It was, but like, so like the view of Space Mountain and everything was cool, but the original ride vehicle where you sat with somebody between your legs, David. <laughs> I remember. Ew, David. <laughs> so, I remember I did it the, that following February. My sister and I did it. I rode that, that Space Mountain. I remember it. So, so my clearly. question is, if you were a party of three, did they send two in one and one in the other? Or were they like party of one? Let's put a yeah. stranger between your legs. Yeah. Like, let's, <laughs> I don't know, but you're right. I did think that it's like, wow, that is a very close quarters ride vehicle. And people, <laughs> apparently people had no problem bumping into each other in their speedos at river country. So maybe they were like, yeah, I'll sit between this stranger's legs. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Just, they were smaller and afforded more room back in the seventies. Our, our national epidemic of obesity hadn't quite peaked yet. <laughs> so they, we actually go through space mountain. Now it is a true travelogue commercial for the ride. And it's not even video of the Mouseketeers riding no, Space Mountain. It's just a video <laughs> of people. the ride, of a p point of view of the ride. Why would you film your actors riding the ride <laughs> when we could just have these random assholes? Um, uh, have you ever yeah. ridden Space Mountain with the lights on? I have not. Frightening. It is the most terrifying thing I've ever been I on. I imagine with the tracks visible. Oh, I, oh, I can't imagine. You're like, Cannot that track imagine. is awfully small and it's awfully close to my head as we make this drop. <laughs> Yikes. So. I'm not a big coaster person anyway, so that's not really my thing. Yeah. So thankfully, when the boys come out of Space Mountain, the others are there and they are all reunited. So it's like, yay, we're all back together again and let's get ready because tomorrow we're going to be camping out at Fort Wilderness. But before they do, Joanne Worley wants to take a romantic ride on, as I said before, the Sky Ride, mm -hmm. which is actually called the Skyway, mm -hmm. which used to run between Tomorrowland and Fantasyland, no longer there. It closed in 1999. Yes. Uh, and it shows them riding the Skyway, and he's doing that typical old-school trope thing of a woman is coming on to him, and he's being resistant. Yeah. And, and also, like, it seems like he's afraid of heights. That's true. He's afraid of heights. But her being there and basically presenting to him, that isn't enough to distract him or make him any less nervous about being up there. I got to admit, that was a little scary. I remember doing that as a kid. I hated that ride. 
I, it's because it's open. You see, it's like you're in a bucket with an umbrella over it. It's yeah. it's scary because you feel exposed. But it was um, it became like an issue with like people pouring their soda. Oh, like society <sighs> changed. Like people would pour their soda on people. People would spit on people. Oh, or God damn it! Or worse, your baby has to go to the bathroom, so you hang him outside. Oh. Isn't it hilarious? My kid's peeing over yeah. the edge of this. But Hope I don't drop my kid. Yeah. yeah. But it, so a lot of things went into the reason that thing closed. Yikes. Um, um, and then with that, we go to commercial break number three. Oh my God. My favorite commercial of the night. The Litton microwave commercial. <laughs> 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 We're changing the way America cooks. And the reason for that is <laughs> before you could only put one thing into a microwave. But now, <laughs> we yeah. put a shelf in it, a metal shelf. In this microwave, you can cook asparagus, potatoes, and a side of beef all <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> can you imagine what that tasted like <laughs> when it came out? And microwaves are notoriously uneven in the way they cook and and in those days you know they were even worse and they didn't have the rotating plate the big magic thing that this microwave had was a shelf yeah that was the thing i was watching it with austin and austin said to me how can they have a metal shelf in a microwave what is happening and it's, it is absolutely possible because the microwaves run from the back wall towards the door. They run straight. They're, the microwaves are straight. They don't bend or turn. So as long as it's out of the path, it won't be a problem. Now, you don't want to crumple up a piece of foil and throw it in there. That would be a no. But, but you yeah. can put a side of beef in there and expect <laughs> it to cook the same amount of time that you're going to cook your asparagus. That thing had to, that had to be like a tire when it came out of there. Have you ever put meat in a microwave? No. It's, it's like bubble gum, for God's sake. Like literally like hacking into a tire. Meanwhile, your asparagus <laughs> is asparagus mush. And, and, and your potatoes, uh, it's like... Probably still frozen in the middle. <laughs> like a hot pocket every bite is a different temperature <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh my god so the next commercial is a coca-cola commercial mm -hmm. and it's the uh the, the campaign at the time was coke ads life i do not remember that campaign at all i remember it vividly again i was nine okay. so it was coke ads life everybody wants a little life coca-cola um in this one it's almost like a mentos ad as in <laughs> it just doesn't make sense it starts with a shot of uh, of a newspaper ad saying tugboat for rent and you see a couple of girls talking to the man who is obviously the skipper slash owner of this tugboat. They both have glass bottles of Coke. Remember glass bottles? Mm -hmm. And they basically, you can see they're making a deal. It's like, okay, good. We're going to do this thing that we just saw in the ad in the paper. And then their friends show up with buckets of paint. Yeah. And they proceed to paint 
the entire tugboat like a psychedelic acid trip mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it cuts back to the skipper guy, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. those carefree, whimsical young people. Yeah, those kids on Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They even go so far as to paint the girl's name on the back of the, of yeah. the boat. They, they, they paint the, the, the tires on the side that are, you know, supposed to be the cushion for when it runs into the dot. They paint the tire. It's a black rubber tire. They paint it. And, and the idea is it's just, like I said, it felt like a Mentos ad with a ridiculous thing happening and the bystanders just going, oh, <laughs> isn't <Yeah>. that interesting? <laughs> Uh, but yes. And there was only two commercials. That was yes. it. Those two. And then, um, and then from that, we go back to the show. We arrive at Fort Wilderness Campground. Yes. And we do get a sign that tells us that is exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So while the kids are setting up their tents, what is now, the song they sing? Well, again, this is a, a thing that I... I always realize as they show Fort Wilderness, people go to Walt Disney World with a tent in the back of their car. Pitch a tent. Oftentimes, you remember tents in the 70s made of screen. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a see-through. Like you're not having any privacy. No. You're just in a spending all day in a theme park and then going to lay in a sleeping bag in a tent. Can you imagine? Uh, no. And in the wintertime, it gets cold here. We, our temperature a few nights a year will get below freezing, but there are many nights in the wintertime that are in the 40s and the 50s. You don't fucking want to be staying outside. Or sleeping when it's 105 and humid. <laughs> in the summer, yes. After you've been in a theme park all day, the only thing I want after I've been in a theme park all day is a shower, and I don't mean a communal one. Yeah. (laughs) I just cannot imagine not going down to a hotel room after your day in the park. I just cannot fathom that. Yeah. But anyway, that's just just Mr. X's opinion. I believe Oprah Winfrey's best friend, Gail King, said it best. I'm a room service kind of girl. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, so, while the kids are setting up their tents, what are they singing? Which, again, they're presenting this to the Almeida family watching in Massachusetts that <laughs> when you check into Fort Wilderness, you are on your own. Like, oh, you've yeah. got to find a camping spot, and you're like, well, this looks like a good spot to camp. Yeah. Like, like, and then you've got to find whatever driftwood you can find for sh- something to sit on and build yeah. your own chimney. And it's like... Pick the spot where you're going to go take a shit. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like they're making it almost like they're borderline pioneering it out there. When, <laughs> let's make it clear, Fort Wilderness has water hookups. They've got oh. a, a, a grill sitting there. You've yeah. Got, anyway. But that just drove me crazy. And again, a missed opportunity for a production number while they're setting up the set, while they're setting up their tents, they're doing whistle while you work, but it's a voiceover and a missed opportunity. That's when you have the, like them beating in the stakes to the rhythm of the music and singing to each other whistle Mm -hmm. while you work. And then they're putting the tent. It just drove me nuts that they were just 
like raking the sand. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and at one point it cuts to the boys on the, like there's, it cuts to a petting zoo, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Is there a petting zoo or was there ever a there, petting zoo at Fort there Wilderness? Is. There is. Is there still? I don't know that it's still there. But I, I had it's been no there idea. And it was there a year ago, at least. It oh might my have God. Closed. Cause tricircle D ranch is up there. That's where they keep the horses from the magic kingdom and the little white horses that pull Cinderella's chair. They all live up there and you can go pet them. And okay. see them. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Mr. X for all of this insider information. You're but uh, yeah. So, but it's like some of the cutaways just to have something to show yeah. on the screen to fill the space is them at the petting zoo, petting yeah. animals. It's like, that's not whistling while you work. That's whistling while you're doing fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. You're not helping. And there are 12 of you. You could get this done in five minutes. We've, we've got, we're going to do this song, but we need to fill time in it. Fill it with a production number. Yeah. They're the Mouseketeers. That's what they're famous for is production numbers. Is, is singing and dancing. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, yeah. But in the, course of, in the course of setting up the tents, uh, they ask little Nita, who doesn't have anything to do, to tie off the tents. So she goes through some trees, comes out the other side of trees, yeah. and ties both of the tents off to the fender of a fucking RV yeah. parked on the other side. She is told to attach them to something sturdy, so she walks by all these huge trees through trees. the forest. Yeah. And decides this is the place I'm going to do it. On a moving vehicle's uh, fender. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the thing, right? Or is it the bumper? What am I talking about? The fender. You're right. It's the bumper. It's the bumper. Um, I'm a gay. (laughs) But yeah, little Nita does that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly Mr. Harrison shows up. This is the boss of Mr. Brown that we heard wah, wah, wah yelling on the phone earlier. Yeah. He shows up at night as they're getting ready for bed, sitting by a campfire mm-hmm. in a three-piece suit. Yeah, boss hog. Like you said, a boss hog three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, all white. Yeah, and his big thing is, make sure they're at Cinderella's castle tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, do they want to rehearse too? Or is there a rehearsal hall reserved for them to no. win? Or is there a, a, a rehearsal for them to know what is on the stage and spacing and never mind no and we'll find out that no <laughs> to answer <laughs> all of your questions <laughs> later on you will discover that nope there was no rehearsal yep. but then we dissolve to kind of a lovely little thing where our close personal friend lisa welchel shows yet another dimension of her immense talent yeah she plays the guitar and i think she's really playing or you know properly fingering the chords as though she is playing, even though it's a pre-recorded soundtrack. And she sings a song called Turn Over a New Leaf. Is that from something? No. That's an original song written for this. I believe, yeah. Oof. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was from, you know, Mr. Boogity's. You didn't know if it was like Candle Shoe. Candle. (laughs) It's like. (laughs) But Lisa plays the guitar and sings. Mm Mm-hmm. And then um... another huge difference between then and now, zero filtering on anybody's voices. Oh, no. She, one might argue she, 
she could have used some auto-tune, but I would venture to guess she probably could have used a second take. Yeah. Because I don't imagine she would have gotten more than one. No. And, uh, but no, it's fine. It's lovely. Again, she's 13. She's sitting there playing guitar and she's as good an actress as she's uh, showing herself to be. So then it's time to go to bed. Off go the kids. They go into the tents. And then we hear the engine start, presumably to the RV on the other side of the trees. It drives away. It pulls the tents with it. And the kids proceed to lose their fucking shit. Yeah. When Nita admits that she tied them off to this RV. There was no bottom to the tents either. They were just going to sleep on the ground. (laughs) I mean. And why did that rope, every other rope on the tent was attached to a stake that they put in the ground? Why did that one rope have to go be attached? Maybe I don't know anything about it. Because it was was hanging on like a U-shaped pipe. It was like there was already a built-in structure that supported, that was the main support. It was like this U-shaped structure was the center of the A the, the top point yeah. of the letter A, and the stakes were the things that pulled the sides outward to create the the horizontal yeah. space. But anyway, that it's that's just par for the course for this. But yeah. the kids proceed to yell at Nita, and yeah. they say they call her idiot, stupid, <laughs> and Mr. Brown is standing right there. Yeah. And his solution is, oh, well, kids, we're, we'll just find another place over there to go. Not stop yelling at her. It was an honest mistake. Jesus Christ. Or, I mean, as the adult, I told her to attach them to something. This is, be mad at me, you know? Yeah, it was clearly I didn't give her clear enough instructions. It's but they fine. do make um, her cry. Little Nita cry. The last word as they all walk away is Shantae looks at her and says, you ruined our camping trip. And the final image before we go to commercial is what feels like five solid minutes. (laughs) Explain it. Of of little Nita. Nita, quote unquote, crying. Like just, ugly, uh, I, I, I don't want to say ugly crying because I don't want to call a little kid ugly, but... No, no, I don't you're know referring to I, the crying as the, the ugly yeah. cry. Yeah, she is just full on sobbing, face contorted, tears running down her cheeks. Were there tears running down her cheeks? Oh, yeah. Because I saw wetness around her eyes, but I didn't see any tears. Oh, okay. You... <laughs> I, I might have been making a little bit of a logistical leap there that might have been giving them too much credit. Again, um, I would like to see the actors that did not get hired. And I may need to repeat that again uh, later. Yeah, exactly. These were the ones. And here's the deal. Sometimes you don't get quite the acting chops that you wish you had when you've got really strong singer-dancers. So when we finally get to the finale where we see them pulling out all the stops and, and in the, the, there is a dance number coming up before then too. And that's when you're like, oh, well, okay, that's, that's not why. Yeah. 
to get yeah. on this show. And I think we will let's let's be let's be nice people for a moment. Let's step out of character here, Matt, uh, Mr. X, mm-hmm. and let's let's say the other thing is in 1977 we didn't have the toddlers and tiaras culture that we have now where kids are trained to be triple threat performers from the time they're four years old. Like I believe the level of talent of kids, you find a lot more of it out there now because there are so many parents obsessed with making their kids stars and getting into show business. I don't think that there was as much of a plethora of triple threats around at the time. Would you agree? I don't know that I'd agree, but (laughs) I hear you and your feelings are valid. Um, So, uh, so on this image, this close up image of a sobbing child, Mm -hmm. we go to commercial break number four. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what the commercials were? Um, I've got cake from scratch. No, mom, it's from a box. No, this is cake from scratch. No, mom, it's from a box. Cake from scratch. Shut up, old woman. Get out of my kitchen. How many times do I have to tell you this fucking cake came out of a box? I'm a lazy bitch and I can't cook. (sighs) Accept me as I am, mom. And why would I lie? <laughs> like she must tell her 15 times in this 30 second commercial that she got it out of a box and mom's like nope it's too good for Ex- a box exactly you would lie the other way it's like mm, this cake's oh. interesting yeah i made it from scratch yeah. and uh yeah the cake is pillsbury plus the plus is there's pudding in the mix yes and i do love the the slogan at the end of the commercial scratch has met its match mm-hmm that's a great slogan. I wish they still used it today. Do you remember what the next one? Shell's Foul Weather Driving Book. E- yes. The Shell Answer Man from Shell, the oil company and the gas station. And I want you to try to say that five times fast. Shell's Foul Weather, <laughs> weather <laughs> Driving Book. Shell's, Shell's Foul, foul weather, weather Driving Book. Shell's Foul Weather Driving Book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mouthful. And it's literally <laughs> like... It's like uh, Dwight Schrute saying to you, if you're in a snowstorm and your car stops, don't leave the engine on for more than 10 minutes or you'll asphyxiate yourself. Be sure to keep warm. Stretch your legs out. It's like, it's all of these. I mean, they're helpful hints. I have to admit, this stuff there, I was like, oh, that's good to know if I ever drive in snow again, which I won't. But he is very no-nonsense about giving you this information. Crack your window! Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But the whole thing is, you know, come to Shell for answers is the slogan. And the idea is it's, you know, we're more than a gas station. We care about you. (laughs) And yet he does leave the car there without actually helping the person that is inside. (laughs) To drive through the paper thing that was always the, yeah. And then the last one is a coming attraction for a new Disney uh, a, a new Disney animal film that's going to be coming up on a future episode of The Wonderful World of Disney. And what's the title of this upcoming event? Run, Cougar, Run. <laughs> and 
I almost wanted to look it up and see if I could find it because it says, it starts off, it shows a picture of a little cougar kitty cat. And it says, she's the last of her kind. Bang! You hear a gunshot. And it's like, well, gee, uh, so much, are we, wait, what? Are we <laughs> shooting her? She's, you just said she's going extinct. Jesus. The shortest movie ever. Oh, God. <laughs> Do we learn nothing from Bambi? <laughs> but yeah, it was film like a and live animal. action nature, like a, a spin-off, like a Disney live Nature. Is that's that's yeah. kind of a division of the company these days, mm-hmm. isn't it? Disney Nature. Yeah. So yeah, it's the sort of predecessor to all that. But yeah, it's a you know film stock of animals in the wild, and they create a narrative, and they use some trained animals also to do it. But when the final in the title, run cougar, run. All I can think of is. <laughs> There's the last man under 25 in your neighborhood whose girlfriend just broke up with him. He wants to mow your lawn. Starring Jesse Metcalf. (laughs) So, uh, yes. This is why the company was in the dumper. Because of things like Run Cougar Run. No, you're right. You're right. uh, Okay. But we come back from commercial. We are back at the contemporary. I think we're I think we're a third of the way through of this right oh now. Oh my god. No, I'm, I'm fucking kidding. We No, we we're almost to the end. We're we're getting there, yeah. So we're back at the contemporary. Nita is missing. All eleven kids are sitting around on one couch and mm-hmm. one armchair. Mm-hmm. And this is where the security guard is up there. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't write down the line. What did the the, the security guard say? <clears throat> I'm gonna say it. Um, it's going to sound, I'm going to, I'm going to make it sound like you have actually, I'm going to make this sound like you have actually pulled audio from the show. It's going to be like, we're there. Mm-hmm. We got a team of rangers searching the wilderness area right now. It's 7,500 acres of swamp out there. And then he walks out of frame. And he walks away. <laughs> Polish off the oh Emmy Awards, ladies and gentlemen. And what I loved was, because clearly he was a security guard, so he's probably a grandpa. And oh, like, God, yeah. He was um, probably the star of security back. Like, they probably, yeah. like, he probably, they probably watched it at his house. His neighbors came over. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh, I saw you on Wonderful World of Disney. That's pretty Herbert's cool going to be on the television. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, so, I mean, bless. It was At least it was the one line and not two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the kids are like, we all need to go look for her. And he's like, no, you've got a show to do. Go to your rooms and get some rest. Oh, are you a tour manager now? Now do you give a shit about the performance? Which we find out is literally that night. Mm-hmm. But Lisa, Lisa rallies the troops oh. and I fucking believe her. When she says, Mr. Brown, we're not going to sit around and do nothing. We are going to find her. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. Lisa Welchel is such a standout. God yeah. bless her. So then, where is Nita? Do we, we don't know where Nita is. Where does it show Nita to be, Matthew? <laughs> For some reason, alone in the Magic Kingdom. Walking around Fantasyland, I believe, Completely just outside of It's alone. a Small World, correct? Yes. Um, no, she is over by, she's right behind the castle. She's by um, Cinderella's Fountain. Oh, okay. By which Cinderella's is outside 
what used to be Tinkerbell's treasures. Okay. <clears throat> so well, she's literally right behind the castle when she decides this is as good a place as any to take a nap. Yeah. Let's, pfft, yeah. Now she's alone in an empty theme park. There are literally no other people there. Mm-mm. So you're like, did she sneak in after hours? Uh, was there a bomb threat? What is yeah. <laughs> going she's, on? She's carrying her poo around with her. Her poo there. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> but yes, so she has her Winnie the Pooh stuffed animal. And so, yeah, she sits down and falls asleep. All that mm-hmm. crying is exhausting. Yeah. I know. And then we go into a dream sequence where Julie Pikarski reads her from the Winnie the Pooh book, but it's a song. And what is the song called? The song is called the Pooh Polka, <laughs> David. And there was a there was a party weekend on Fire Island back in the nineties. I think was called the Pooh Polka. Yeah, it yeah. later it later got moved to just a one day. It was a it became Splatter Saturday. <laughs> um, but what I wrote down was um, she decides to take a nap and. She's going to dream about the good old days when Sue Ann from Facts of Life would slip her some ecstasy and read her favorite book to her. (laughs) Because this scene, her eyes, she looks like she is tripping balls. (laughs) Her eyes are so big. And she is so happy to be getting read to. She's pointing oh to stuff in the book God. and nodding. Yeah. She's, uh, she's overplaying the physicality of it because it's silent. She's kind of in a silent movie suddenly. But then uh, Pooh shows up and it's the character of Winnie the Pooh that has the honey on his head, the pot of honey on his head. Mm-hmm. And then all the other kids show up in Lederhosen and German beer garden skirts. And they dance and sing a choreographed production number called the Poo Polka, and they do polka. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, they're, they're not bad. It looks like this, maybe some thought went it into this. It looks like they ran through it once. <laughs> like some of the boys are clearly more fabulous than others. I, yeah. I noticed that mm-hmm. as far as their dancing skills. Um, also, by the way, this is the Winnie the Pooh that has no use of his hands. Oh, that's right. But he does have the working snout. His, his mouth does open and close, which is nice. Yeah. Um, now, I do have to point out another one of those inappropriate for the time, for, for now. The girls are in uh, like a forest green print fabric on their German beer garden dresses. The boys are in browns and earth tones. One of the boys is in like short shorts that are clearly cutting into his balls. And another one has got shorts down below his knee. So the the design of these is, uh, you know, uh, non-uniform. The girls' dresses are uniform. And at one point in the choreography, uh, three or four of them are in the front row spinning around. And underneath all of these forest greens and earth tones, they have bright, blood red leotards on mm-hmm. that we can clearly see because they're in skirts spinning around and the skirts come up and the camera angle is from the ground up. 
Like it is, it's looking up at them. The camera angle is indeed looking up at them. It's yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's just one of those things of like, number one, ew, these girls are like, like Lisa Welch was one of the older kids there. She's 13. Yeah. And of all of them, it's like, why wouldn't you have given them some type of bloomers or something that was less revealing? And at the very least, why not make them forest green to match the dresses so you get a sense of it being with the costume? What the shit? Where was Diana Eden? I know, Diana. So our fantasy dream sequence production number ends. And in real life, uh, Winnie the Pooh comes up and awakens her. She awakens to Winnie the Pooh being there. Yeah. And then she looks over and sees the other kids looking for her. So what does she do? She runs the other way. She bolts. And then when the kids come over looking for her, Pooh deliberately sends them in another direction. Pooh is yeah. covering for his girl. After about 20 seconds of awkward, silent interaction between the kids and Pooh. Oh, oh. Like, they so don't even say like, hey, have you seen Nina? Hey, Pooh, how are you? They, it, it's just them it's weirdly. Um, but, but then my favorite scene happens in one of the whole things. The this chase? becomes a Charlie's Angels chase scene. <laughs> yes. Complete with James Bond music. And it's like... Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes, she runs off and suddenly we get this... It is so amazing it is 70s tastic it is the soundtrack to my childhood she gets on a boat <laughs> like and, one uh, of those little personal speed boats and takes off yeah but before that she takes the skyway because you know when you want to get away oh, yeah. she takes the skyway and then yeah. we see a couple of the girls on the main street trolley another thing we hadn't seen before mm -hmm. and then we see them looking around they don't find it but yeah um um, and, and, and before the boat also, Mr. Harrison is talking to Mr. Brown and he is mad. And he says, they're in the hotel room. <laughs> he says, if you don't have those kids on stage in 10 minutes, you can turn in your clipboard. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm in the contemporary years. I don't know if I can get to the lobby in you 10 cannot. minutes. You cannot. Okay. I'm not crazy then. <laughs> no. No. What the yeah. <laughs> so and, and they're like all out and dispersed and that's the weird thing is like okay we let's children let's have a little lesson about being a professional entertainer a professional shows up on time there is a sense of girl if you are mad at your friends or if they treated you like dog shit no matter how justified you are if that's an 8 p.m. performance on the Castle main stage, bitch, you will be there at your 7 p.m. call. Yep. <laughs> Just saying. Especially since you are a mouseketeer at Walt Disney World. <laughs> anyway. Then, then this is where the motorboat comes. I'm sorry. I'm being so fucking microscopic. <laughs> then she gets in the motorboat and runs up. Now, where the fuck? Help me track where she is and where she okay. goes. All right. Where does, does the motorboat start at the contemporary and go to river country? It either starts, I feel like, yeah, it started at, I feel like from the background, she started at the Polynesian. Oh, um, just because right. they definitely show her taken off like 
like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Across. And you can still rent, uh, you can still rent yeah. uh, little individual speedboats at yeah. the Polynesian Resort to this day. They're called the Sun Racers. Yes. Um, but um, she boats herself over to Discovery Island. Where is that she, where it is? Where she just beaches the boat. Like she just, like there's no dock or anything. No. And for some reason, Discovery Island is abandoned. That's where she picks up the parrots and everything. Yeah. She um, just interacts with some birds like, hey, hey, uh, how you doing? That's cool. Running from my friends. Yeah. Yeah. She's because while she's on the run, she still has time to enjoy the wildlife at Discovery Island. <laughs> As shouldn't everybody. Yeah. Enjoying well, the Walt Disney World Resort. Again, it's, oh go look God. for videos of abandoned Discovery Island. <laughs> Those birds are still there. Mm, uh, closed. Yes. Um, so, but my thing is, and then she gets back in the boat and then mm-hmm. runs, runs back off into the water. And again, I'm like, where is she going? And then Why for doesn't some reason, she... she's back at the Disney Village because that's when they show um, the, the paddle boat again or they show something that i because i wrote for some reason shot a shot of the steamboat from disney village yeah you're right it was there that was that was very weird and um uh so my thing is like they were looking it wasn't like oh i see those guys and i don't want to be near them i don't like them they were mean to me but when she looked over back with with winnie the pooh they were going, Nita, Nita. They were literally looking for her. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to run randomly. Nyeh, nyeh. But it's like, wh- where are you going? And what did you think? Like, y- you're going to have to fly home with them, you know. You can't, <laughs> you can't run forever, Nita. You're going to hey. have to stop running someday. I'm like, girl, bye. <laughs> I, I got a show to do, Nita. Yeah, I'm, I'm at my call for the show I never rehearsed for to give a grand performance on the castle stage to some catatonic children, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I'm glad you said that about the riverboat was there and it was like, that doesn't really track, does it? Because that's no. not in the same... No. I'm glad that I'm not crazy. Um, so then somehow she ends up at a sign somewhere where it's the picture of the cast... And it says, Mouseketeers performing 8 p.m. on the castle stage. And she's staring, and you can see in her reflection in the glass, she's still crying. The running didn't make her feel better. Mm-mm. And I would like to know where that sign was, too, because in the reflection, you can see she's on Main Street. Yeah, so I, I, don't know I gathered it was, it was at the Magic Kingdom, too. So somehow she took her speedboat and sped up to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just got out and walked in. Um, so Joanne Worley finds her. And then mm-hmm. she says to her, they were trying to tell you they're sorry. It's just about time for the show at the castle. And they won't do it without you. Okay, cool. Bye. <clears throat> yeah, she says, they think I'm stupid and dumb. And Joanne Worley does not tell her she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she just says, well, people say things when they're mad. <laughs> <laughs> they said I was stupid and dumb. Oh, I'm sure they're very sorry that they said that to you. Yeah. 
Oh, they still think that. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, not that. That's not what they're sorry. They're it's sorry true. they can't find you. <laughs> TikTok, bitch. Yeah. All saved with the two-second talk with Joanne Worley, and now it's showtime yeah. on the Castle Forecourt stage for and, kids um, that have probably been, I don't know, given Benadryl. Yeah. Performed it's by like, kids on Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's showtime, and literally, that's the name of the song that we get, that they sing all peppy and choreography. Can you well, describe Is that a strong word? Choreography is a strong word. Uh, moving in a direction? <laughs> they, there are c- clips of them bumping into each other <laughs> as they're moving. It's true. Like... You- <laughs> and i get like maybe you only had one shot to do it because you're on the castle forecourt stage i get it Mm -hmm. but it's clearly at night Mm -hmm. and so i'm sure they film this at 2 a.m with a with i hope or maybe not maybe they filmed it at 8 (laughs) p.m right live if they did it who were the people watching could that just been people watching a fireworks display or something or another castle show at night? Now I, now I kind of want to go back and see if they ever showed the audience at the same time that they show the Mouseketeers performing. I, I feel like they do. I feel like we see the back of an audience, I think. All right. I did, I did wonder that myself. I was like, did they even shoot this with, you know, because it's all pre-recorded. They're not singing live. It's absolutely like everything else pre-recorded. Now the outfits. How do we describe these outfits? Uh, well, Nina's not wearing one. No, that's so totally okay. I mean, she has clothes on, dear <laughs> listeners. But not that she... that would have surprised us either. <laughs> no, at this point. <laughs> but but she... They are all in high-waisted fuchsia pants. Oh, God. Rainbow suspenders. Mm. And multicolor panel shirts that vary from kid to kid. So the colors are not the same. They're all over the place. And the front of them, uh, they've got the big wide collars, the big long, long collars with a zipper down the front. They're not a button up shirt. They're a zip up shirt. And oh my God. They're 77 tastic. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the costumes. I, 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 I wasn't mad at the costumes. I mean, they're ridiculous, but, but it's 1979. Yeah, and they're, they're kids, and it's Disney. It's supposed to be bright, you know, blip, blip for, for younger audience members. But we do get cuts, uh, cutaways of the audience, and some of the kids are just like, oh. <laughs> uh... There's there's one child with glasses on. Where Bless his heart. I thought if I didn't know Matthew was significantly too young to have been there. How dare you? <laughs> but, but they also do a good job about diversifying the audience watching too. Mm-hmm. They True. Show yes, they're Chinese, they show Asian kids. They show um, some black kids. They show white kids. Yeah. No, that's very yeah. true. Then they move on to the final song, which is called Aptly friends but not Bette Midler's friends no. a shitty awful song called friends and one of the things in the choreography is we see they, they kind of break off again there are 12 of them yeah holy fuck and there and there are cubes on stage too aren't there like are they dancing around some cubes and yeah, giving levels like, and shit yeah well yeah. one of the choreo 
one of the, uh, I'm putting air quotes, choreographed moments is there are two groups, five and five, and the babies are in the front. So we mm-hmm. have uh, Mindy uh, on one side and Nita on the other. And so the last images are of them doing kind of a Brady Bunch sway and back and forth. And it comes in close on Nita's face and them all putting their hands on her shoulder. And she is just, she's clearly accepted, happy, and no longer traumatized from her entire work family turning on her. And yet at the same time, the only thing I believed through this whole show was that she was actually missing until 7.59. Because obviously they didn't have time to fucking run a brush through her hair. Her hair's a mess. Oh, it's She true. looks like she just walked on stage from spending a day in a theme park. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the theme park And she grind, doesn't yeah. know where to look. She's awkwardly looking around. And I go back to the commentary from the Goonies on, on the DVD. The actors all said their big direction was big eyes. Oh. So now when you watch Goonies, every scene, they're all like, awkwardly big eyes and it's the same thing with this like they're these big eyes that it's like why do everything is unnatural about what's happening on that stage there's nothing natural about it least of all nita yeah it's it's yeah it's bless her heart bless her heart bless all of their hearts Mm. Uh, but thank god before we roll the credits matthew we have one more commercial break (laughs) <laughs> one more commercial break we have the reach toothbrush yes that was literally the very first time they said why are all toothbrushes straight and why are all the bristles at the same level why don't we kind of try to innovate yeah. this that it might clean our teeth better um and so there's that i remember that commercial vividly then of course we have the new v8 diesel pickup from chevrolet yeah it's a guy at a gas station going to the diesel pump, and they're like, that's- somebody comes out and oh. says, that's the, that's the diesel pump. And the guy gets out of his truck and says, I know, this is a diesel truck, and I have a very small penis. <laughs> but it did make me remember when you had to look if you're putting leaded or regular or unleaded. Yeah, unleaded. In your car. Yeah, regular unleaded versus leaded. Yeah, regular. Yeah, that's a thing. When we were kids, at least when I was a kid, yeah. And then the last commercial before they roll credits is for a future installment of The Wonderful World of Disney, the incomparable cinematic masterpiece, The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. Which is, I when I saw, I thought, well, I should bring up a, a lawsuit because I used to dance under that name. <laughs> But tell us who is in the movie. I need to look it up and see if Roddy McDowell is indeed Bullwhip Griffin. Uh huh. <laughs> because that alone might make me want to watch it. Watching that old queen run around, the, run around in a cowboy movie with Suzanne Plachette, the yes, wonderful, the wonderful, and some guy that I recognized from Disney stuff that looks like. Um, an audio animatronic from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, he does. He was the one having the fight with Roddy at the end. And Carl Malden is also in it. 
Yeah. Yes, but yeah, Roddy McDowell does play Eric Bullwhip Griffin. So Roddy McDowell is the lead of this film. And ladies and gentlemen, it is on Disney+. Plus. It is oh, there God. for the taking. I cannot fucking wait to watch it because it's going to be awful. Is Run Cougar Run available? It is not. I did check. Poop. And Bullwhip Griffin, by the way, from 1967. So this is pre-Planet of the Apes, Roddy McDowell. This is when he's just... Oh, oh he's young that, and handsome. That kid from Lassie grew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is when he was dating Tab Hunter. <laughs> but they were sending him out with Mamie Van Doren, because exactly. that looked natural. Yep. <laughs> and, and Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> That's right. Well, they were, they were friends. She was his hag. Come on. Mm-hmm. She, she was his flame dame his entire life. Her entire life. Oh my God, wow. David. Two and a half hours. I think we did it again. Another classic episode. Jesus of Christ. Talkaholics. Um, Mr. X, if you would please tell Matthew that I cannot wait for him to return to the show next month. And I really do appreciate your input. And thank you for letting me have you on as a, our very, very special guest. We thank all of you for being supporters of the show. I so greatly appreciate it. Stay tuned as always every month, and we will be back for September with We Don't Know What. Well, you'll be back. I won't be. What? Of course, Mr. X will not be with us, um, but uh, Matthew Arter will be back, and uh, I look forward to having him back because he's, he's really, really a wonderful Uh, component to this show so thank you so much again for tuning in see you later and uh bye-bye and there you have it That was TV Talkaholics Episode 9. Just as a reminder, TV Talkaholics is a monthly show that Matthew and I do separate from the Let's Face the Facts podcast, and you can have access to the whole library and future episodes by sponsoring the show at the $3 level on our Patreon. Those links, of course, are in the show notes and on our webpage. And uh, that's it. Next week, we have another Betwixt-isode coming up. As of this recording, I'm not sure what it is, but I know it's going to be a Betwixt-isode because I think as of right now, as you are listening to this, I am currently on a cruise in Greece and Italy, Croatia, and Montenegro. So it's a, it's a pretty epic cruise that we planned before the pandemic and uh, say a prayer that right now I am actually on the cruise and not in some awful quarantine hotel because I caught COVID on the way over there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. 
This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>